Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 182 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning into the podcast, and thanks for being with us this week. Now, over the winter months, it's hard enough to get out on the bike. It's hard enough to motivate yourself. But with the dark nights and the very dark early evenings, it's made even more difficult. But today's guest on the podcast will certainly shine more light on that situation. (laughs) Because we're chatting to Charlie Heffernan from Exposure Lights. Now, we chat to them about, obviously, how lights are made and how they work and the lumens and all this kind of stuff that goes into it. And Charlie knows his stuff and he can get into it in quite some depth. But we try not to make it sound too much like a physics podcast because a lot of the stuff was going over my head. So I know Charlie has kind of dialed this back a little bit for us. But we get into how the company started. They originally started out as Ultimate Sports Engineering. Now that still exists. That's kind of the parent company of Exposure Lights, if you like. And they started making suspension seat posts, believe it or not, which are still available to this day. It's pretty awesome. You need to go and check it out. But we're mainly chatting to Charlie on this one about the lights, how they work, what you should look for in a light, how the lights are designed, where they're produced, where they're manufactured, which is still based in the UK, which is amazing. But Charlie goes through the different lights for different, let's say, riding conditions or trail conditions, you know, so kind of letting you focus into what you require most for an enjoyable night ride. You know, it's not all about getting the brightest light and it's not all about getting the most lumens out of a light. There's a lot more that goes into it than that from battery to size to weight to what the actual product is made from. The list goes on. But Charlie talks us through it really, really well and I certainly came out the other side of this with a better understanding on what light would suit me, would suit my needs best for getting out more over the dark evenings. So sit back, enjoy the podcast, and let's welcome Charlie to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hey, Charlie, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you this afternoon, sir? Very good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. And you're working from home, I see. I am indeed, yes. Uh, Yes, not many of us in the building at the moment. (laughs) Is that a COVID thing, or is that normally the way it It is? It is, yes. No, no, it's, it's... new since well since march on and off um last year we've been been largely from home yeah do you enjoy that more or yes it, it's kind of suits me quite quite i'm quite happy um there was obviously varied in various lockdowns we've been through uh we've been in and out of the office a few few times a week or whatever um but yeah at the moment it's it's fully from home for us as the office people um yeah kind of to, to enable production and stuff to to go ahead as normal as well. Yeah, cool, cool. And uh, you're, you're the sales uh, and marketing manager, is that your title? Uh, not the manager, no. Uh, there's there's two of us in kind of sales and marketing now. Um, so uh, I guess you could call me a sidekick of, uh, <laughs> of the, the manager. Um, 
All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, we're just, just a small team. Yeah, cool. But listen, I love your brand, um, Exposure Lights, as many of the mountain bikers will know it. Uh, your your parent company is Ultimate Sports Engineering, um, but you, you produce a high-quality light uh, for the, the mountain bike scene. And I, I know it because the Make Monkey guys in Belfast stock it, um, and that's that's where I've seen your, your lights. So we'll get into all that because the brand has a great history and it's still manufactured in the UK. So I want to chat to you about uh, about that, really, because it is quite a weird thing to to hear these days um but let's chat a little bit about you first like have you been involved in the mountain bike industry before working with exposure lights or how did you get involved in the scene yeah so um for me uh not particularly uh, i used to work for a uh online retailer beforehand um and i actually i'm a, a roadie myself so not not so much of a, a mountain biker oh dear i can edit um, that out that's okay <laughs> <laughs> yes i've got a cross bike if that if that makes me feel a bit better got some novelty tires on at the moment cool um but uh yeah so so i'm not historically much of a mountain biker yeah um but yeah obviously obviously that's the the biggest part for us is is mountain biking yeah, is that the biggest side of the brand for you, really? Yes, yeah. So um, obviously, as you say, um, the the lights uh, are the biggest focus is kind of mountain bike lights uh, with the the big big powered um, things. Mm. Yeah, because you do you do more than just bike lights, right? You've kind of went into the marine side of things as well, and you do you know dive lights and you do lights for video and helmet lights e-bike lights roadies uh, you do you do a lot of stuff now right it's expanded over the yes. years yes yeah yeah it's, it's it's spread um from yeah the the originals um as a components kind of side to things and then yeah onto onto lights bike lights and and beyond now yeah happy days happy days no it's good like the the night riding thing here is popular you know what i mean like it, it's and I think it's only going to get more popular um, because it's a very different experience. Like, I don't know if you get that on the road from day to night, but when you're you're riding mountain bike trails, it's a very, very different experience from the day, riding through the day as it is riding at night. It's almost like a different trail in a way. Like, are you finding the lights getting more popular? Do you think that side of things get more popular? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this year especially um, with... I don't know, I guess the, the COVID kind of boom of, of cycling, um, both from, from people re-engaging that, that used to cycle and, and have got a little bit more spare time or aren't traveling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and new people that are new to cycling. Yeah. It's, I mean, through the winter, you, you don't really have a choice. It's if you want to ride your bike, it's in the dark. Um, and especially in the UK anyway. And if you are wanting to do that a lot, um, you kind of, you know, you need good lights. And as you say, it is a totally different experience. You could, you could be riding exactly the same, uh, the same trail, the same road, whatever, um, that you, that you do, you know, you might be even be on a commute, but as soon as it's dark, it, it's something totally different. Um, mm. so yeah, it can kind of, it keeps it fresh that those, those rides are, you could do the same trail, um, 
as you say, kind of every night and, and you don't really necessarily notice um, that it's the same one either, which is something a bit unique, I think, about night riding. Yeah. Also tests your brakes out a lot at night riding, I find. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming up to these corners you don't expect there. But maybe yeah. you don't maybe that doesn't happen when you have got exposure lights because they're so good, right? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, of course, um, it's not so much as riding in the dark when, when you've got a six-pack and a, a Diablo or a Zenith on your helmet and you've got, you know, f- seven, 8,000 lumens. Um, yeah. It's kind of not not exactly like you're riding in the dark anymore. <laughs> but it's you can just turn... still a different experience. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. You can turn one off and scare yourself if you want, sure. <laughs> no problem um, but the the brand history is quite cool like you have been going for over 30 years now can you tell us a little bit about the the story of exposure lights as background yeah so so the 30th anniversary was last year for um for USE um so that started off with the world's first uh, suspension seat post that was the first first product that was was produced by us um, really okay yes yeah so so yeah going back back to to when that was it was roger who's uh, the director now still um essentially riding his hardtail mountain bike wanted something a little bit more comfy um so he went about making something for himself um and it, it kind of went from there wow so um, this is obviously before the days of dropper posts and everything he made a suspension seat post Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. yeah, the, 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 the original, um, USC product and also, yeah, first, first suspension seat post that there was. Yeah. So, so he's obviously come from an engineering background. Yeah. He's, he's, that's his kind of, uh, how his brain works, <laughs> fixing, <laughs> fixing things that, um, problems that he comes across. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. That's really cool. So like, I've never really come across that. Is that something that's still available on the market? Yeah, so we, we still do do a uh, suspension seat post. It's called the Vibe. Um, it's, I mean, fundamentally, it's the same same design as that original one. There's obviously a few, few component parts which have kind of changed over, over the years, and there's a few different sizes available now for mm. different frames and whatnot. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's essentially it's... Um, the same product that, that started back all the way back then. Wow, that's unbelievable. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of made him transition from that into lights? Then, what? Where was the connection there? Uh, so, kind of similarly, um, in doing like twenty-four hour events and and bits and pieces like that, riding in the night and just not having the the products available to him that he thought would. Uh, kind of sufficient for for night riding um so yeah when it went about kind of figuring out how he could do it himself um for his own for his own use and kind of ex- exploded from there wow okay so Oops. yeah it's interesting you know because i'm sure there was lights on the market but at that time but he just didn't think they were right and i can understand that was the lights right where you put the square batteries in and stuff like that probably the old schools yeah, yeah exactly yeah so so this is uh 2004 is is pretty much when the lights started to 
to be like a, a commercial kind of product. Um, so yeah, that's, that's 16 years ago now. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of the electronics since then have changed a lot. Um, as you say, from, from batteries to LEDs to, to whatever else. Yeah. And like, I remember those old days, you know what I mean? Where you had these plastic things, you know, now the size of a mobile phone on your handlebars. And when you went down over a curb, they fell down and, (laughs) you know, and then, then they corroded very easily. They weren't very waterproof. Like, so I can understand somebody that's into mountain biking in a big, a big way, especially at night at that time, they would want something better. And I suppose with his background in engineering, it was just the next thing to do right yeah exactly um thought thought you could see a way of of improving it and um i think we can say now it was pretty successful <laughs> yeah so it really is a is it kind of like a garage did it grow from the garage kind of thing spare room type idea uh yeah it's a little bit bigger than that um but yeah essentially it, it is that kind of idea wow that's very very interesting that's very interesting um, and obviously the lights now is the main, the main thing behind the brand. It's your your main kind of drive and, and vision for the brand. Um, did yeah. you do anything else, or is is that a, is there any other crazy kind of out of out of the box stuff you were doing at any time? Um, so there's been quite a few uh, kind of bits and pieces. Um, so like the sub fork. Um, the suspension single-sided fork. Um, oh yeah, that was that was an early an early USE product. Um, the in the the road aero side. Um, so there was the the Toolers, which were used at the Olympics in 2004, I want to say. Um, and then the R the R1s, which was the the next model of those, which were used to break the hour record. Um, wow. So yeah, it's been there's been a lot of uh, kind of cutting edge, new new to the world type products um, that have yeah. come through. Yeah, sounds sounds interesting, man. Really, really good. Happy days. Um, so let's have a little chat about your your products, your design, your manufacturing, that that kind of stuff. Um, I just noticed on your website there you're doing a light as. Well, it's for everybody that bikes, really. It's, you know, the BCFB scene one. It's that day, day bright. Uh, yeah, so the, the Trace and Trace are. That- right, yeah. Like, they're cool, man. And, you know, I ride a mountain, or sorry, I ride a, a motorbike as well. And I know it's certainly more important to have your headlight on through the day so that other drivers can see you. Almost more important than it is to have at night. <laughs> Yes. Is that the idea behind this light? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, all kind of new new cars that come through now, it's it's a legal requirement that they have daytime running lights. Um, okay. So, it's kind of it's almost backwards to to not think that you, as a much more vulnerable road user, would um, wouldn't have lights on when it's you know it's it's a legal requirement for cars. Why why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't you want to um, make yourself safer and and be seen? Mm-hmm. No, it, you know it's weird. It's something you don't really think about, isn't it? Like 
you know, yeah, you don't I think you need a light through the day, but you you almost need one as much now. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, drivers obviously I'm a driver as well. I'm not not saying that people that drive cars don't know what they're doing, but you get distracted. The things things happen in front of you or beside you or behind you or whatever, and you're not you don't always have a hundred percent attention. Um so what yeah, what what's there's no reason why you wouldn't want to make yourself as visible as possible really yeah definitely and just looking at your site that that helmet light with you've obviously got the white light in the front and then you've got the rear light on the same yeah. unit at the back that is such a freaking simple idea but i've never seen that before it's such a good idea yeah so it's, it's the the link and link plus um so it's a, a slightly smaller and slightly larger version of them um, yeah, and as you say, it kind of it lifts lifts your visibility a little bit higher, um, and obviously that's kind of three three sixty degrees of visibility as well. Um, so yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter if you turn your head, if you're you know you're coming up to a junction or whatever, um, or somebody else is coming up to a junction, uh, then and you're on the main road, then obviously it just gives you a little bit more visibility um also being that that bit higher sometimes if there's a, a queue of traffic behind a car or some uh, a bike sorry on the road then that second or third car doesn't necessarily know that it's a bike and starts to get frustrated with why this driver is driving so slowly mm. or they think um and then what that can do is is kind of um make you visible to not just that that car but the cars behind that car um mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully it gives you gives people a little bit more warning than it is a person on the road that um, needs to be avoided, not annoyed about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's interesting. I remember reading a thing that was probably about a year ago now, and they were talking about. I just want to know your opinion on this if you've thought about this. Um, that you know the way most lights now come with you have a few different settings. You have a blank setting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that that's to be, you get seen easier by the motorist if your light's blinking on and off. But they were also saying that if it's a constant blink at the same rate all the time, it doesn't work. And there's lights now that blink kind of randomly and it attracts your attention or attracts your eye more. So have you ever thought about that? Is that something you just do or? Yeah, exactly. So that's, so our daybreak pulse pattern, which is in the, the road kind of, or more road or be seen lights um is exactly that so it kind of uh, a double flash and then a, a single flash uh, or pulse um so yeah it's, it's just a slightly irregular mm-hmm. um, kind of pulsing so that as you say it, it kind of constantly gets your attra- um, attention rather than um what can happen if it is just a constant light or a regular flash um say can you can see it initially and then by the time you actually get to it you've kind of gone blind to it um so yeah yeah, you you kind of forget or don't notice that it's there anymore um so yeah that's that's our why we do the the day bright pulse uh, for exactly that reason yeah wow it's interesting right it's it's cool very cool i would never have thought of that but it's funny how you can get used to those kind of things you know so that you end up not seeing them um really yeah weird, it's, it's weird you, you wouldn't ever think that something flashing in front of you you would just suddenly 
uh, not see it anymore. But if you, I don't know, if, if you try it when you're on the road and you and you see if you see someone with a light that's constant or flashed, you it's difficult to to obviously think about it and not notice it. But um, if you if you do think about it or you're aware that you might be, then then you will definitely notice. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very cool. Very cool. Good to see you're doing that. Um, so tell us a little bit about your products and the MTB ones. Um, you have a few, well, more than a few. You have <laughs> quite a good range there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about them? Like how are they designed? How the how the process starts? Yeah, so um, it's back back to to Roger in the design design elements. Um, he kind of plays about with those bits and pieces. Um, essentially, they're all the bigger lights are aluminium CNC machined. Um, so if you if you take a look at them, obviously they're kind of they've got a finned sort of edges, um, which is essentially just to, to help keep them cool. Which mm-hmm. um, I'm sure we can we go into kind of the, the technologies behind that um, in a little bit more detail. But um, yeah, depending on on the size of the light, the output of the light, and Obviously, the heat that that therefore is going to produce. Um, the the bodies are kind of designed around that. Um, uh, yeah, so you'll notice uh, from so as you say the, the mounted lights we got from the race to the six pack, um, mm. from smallest to largest. They're obviously they are smaller in in size, uh, but the actual design of the body is is kind of changes as well. Um, with that in mind mm-hmm. yeah like they are a very very cool design for sure um and i'm sure the process has changed quite a lot from the initial lights to now and, and you change with technology and you change with materials and, and stuff like that um like how has it changed from the beginning have the lights seen a massive kind of development stage and stuff like how does that all work yeah, I mean, if you're to to put them side by side, um, which we have uh, posted this this season, a few on Instagram actually, the the original model versus the current model. Um, they, I mean, they're they're obviously the same, but they're also very clearly very different. Um, mm-hmm. So the early ones, they were they were bigger and chunkier. Um, there wasn't such sort of fine details in the in the machining. Um, obviously, the early early lights were only at even say the big bigger six packs. I'm just going to quote a random number now because I can't remember off the top of my head what the original was, but <laughs> say a, a thousand lumens, um, which for the time it was very bright, but in comparison to now is is nothing given the size size of the unit comparisons. Um, so with that is, as I say, there's a lot of heat differences um, in what that output actually puts out. So it has meant that we've needed to um, be a little bit more creative with the um, both the tech in the lights and also physically the kind of surface area of the body to keep it cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it really is, and you know, it's something you wouldn't think about when you're buying a light, right? Is the heat it gives, and you know, you know, to factor that in. Um, if we talk a little bit more about the technology 
side of it. Like, can you explain the lumens thing? Because when everybody goes to buy a light, right, it's <laughs> it's the most lumens they can get. That's all they're interested in. Yeah. And, you know, the more lumens, the better kind of thing. But it, I'm sure it's not always like that. Can you Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so, I mean, a lumen is essentially just um, a measure of light. Uh, so it's if there is more lumens it is it is a brighter light mm-hmm. um so we have in our in our office or factory um a light sphere uh so we can we can measure the lights uh, and their output specifically um so a lot of um brands and manufacturers will have um a stated lumen output which isn't actually measured but it's based on kind of the theory of the electronics um the the power from the battery and the leds what it's all capable of and stuff um which doesn't necessarily always come out exactly uh in truth <laughs> um which is what I, I don't mean that against any any yeah. other brands we we can do the maths um but then when you actually put it into the light sphere it's it's not quite what what you were expecting um mm-hmm. sometimes it's more sometimes it's less it, it it does depend but that's that is why we've got a light sphere ourselves um so we can you know every season or whatever when there's a, a new light or a new model or whatever we we can whack it in there and say this is whatever lumens mm-hmm. yeah and um, is it, what is what what is one lumen is it like a light bulb or what how's that measured? um it's it's a little bit more complicated. Um, I think to to give an it, it's not quite as straightforward as right. Of, okay. Um, as what this is what it is. Um, obviously, what you would get for your light bulbs in your house, they still vary from you know 100 watt to 50 watt to whatever. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not quite as straightforward as as that and um, as many other brands will also say not all lumens are equal um there is a lot of a lot of um tech for for us in in the lenses and how they're designed and constructed um Mm -hmm. so that it's not um necessarily that the the only difference between say a six pack and a max d is a thousand lumens there there is a lot of difference also in in the lenses yeah yeah, because that's important, right? It's it's how the lens throws the light out as well. So that can affect the brightness of the light. So you could have, let's say, a 5,000 lumen light and it not seem as bright as, say, a 3,000 lumen, but it's just because of the way the lenses are built and the way it throws the light. Would that be correct in saying? Yeah, essentially. Um, so for for us, they're, they're kind of each light, the lenses are designed based on the uh assumed use so we say for of that that kind of model um so like the the six pack is kind of a the you know the the top serious light um it's all the lumens all kind of big widespread throw um deep throwing um on the on the kind of basis and assumption that if you're wanting that much light you're going to be going quick um and you are going to need to see further ahead um, than 
than you are width ways kind of thing. Right. Okay. Um, okay. And then, so then if you, if you look at the max D as a, a direct comparison, you've got four led uh, lenses on that one. So one of those is, is diffused. Um, so that you get a wider beam closer to you. Um, and it's kind of aimed a little bit more as those kind of more technical trails. So you get a bit more width, um, as you're kind of, you know, whipping it around rather yeah. than just purely, um, distance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool because the, the six pack and the max D are basically the same price. The six pack has got six LEDs, obviously, and it's five thousand lumen. Whereas the Max D has got four, and it's three thousand three hundred lumen. The Max D is also a little bit lighter. I'm just looking here on your site at the minute, but the money there, I suppose, for the less lumens is to have that more broad angled light, that more spread of light. Yeah, so it's it's kind of it's got a slightly different purpose essentially. Um, uh, as you say, yes, it's to do with that. They are uh, slightly reduced, so the it's uh, four fifty quid ish between them. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, as you say, it's not it's not an enormous difference, but it is. Um, there is a, re- a reduction between them. Obviously, there is in those as well uh, different kind of battery sizes um to go along with that yeah yeah okay um, yeah, yeah wow. so, and, it's technical dude yeah there's we haven't even started to go into it <laughs> oh no i don't know for what physics lesson today or not <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy man like so you had to learn all this stuff right you know when you when you first joined the company how long are you with exposure lights now yeah, uh, so I've been here about 18 months now. Right, um, wow, so not, wow. Not super long. Um, yeah, so you had to learn, obviously. It's not something you're going to know at that kind of level of take uh, if you're not involved in the industry. So you had to learn all this stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, we are only a small team. So it's initially, anyway, <laughs> we're all in the office. Um, it's quite easy to just kind of... Um, Sorry, I hope that didn't cut out. Um, so, yeah, it was easy to just run over the other side of the office and, and kind of say, "What? what's this? What's this? Um, uh, and whatever. And obviously, we do have kind of phone lines to just direct consumers as well. Um, so we get, you know, calls asking, uh, asking questions about whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to, I get a, get a phone call, someone asks a question, I don't know the answer, so hang on a second, let me just go and find out. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm learning that way as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as you say, it's, there's a lot to learn, but it's, it's yeah, fairly easy in that I'm a cyclist to kind of get the, the use, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's the yeah the the end result I understand quite it kind of comes naturally so uh, figuring out the the bits in between yeah um, very cool <laughs> yeah totally all right so let's let's get a little bit more technical then can you explain the reflex plus lumens so it's like uh automatically adjusts the brightness yes uh, so 
the Reflex++ technology, as it's uh, been evolved a couple of times, um, it's in the mountain bike bar lights. So the Race, the Toro, um, Max-D and six-pack and the Sinks. Uh, essentially, as you say, it changes the output depending on how you're riding. Um, so we'll have a, a maximum stated lumen output from the reflex, which for the six pack is, is 5,000 uh, compared to a constant um, maximum, which is 3,600, okay. uh, which obviously is one of the, the number one questions we get asked. Why, why is it not as much? Um, and can I make it 5,000 um, just permanently? Um, and in short, it's a no. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but basically, that reflex technology uses combination of thermistors. Um, so there's thermistor at the front and the back of the light to kind of measure the change in temperatures. Uh, there's a gyroscope in there, so it kind of knows which way up it's facing. And there's an accelerometer to kind of know how much it's being thrown about. Um, so it kind of combines those bits of information to guess, estimate, to know how you're riding. Um, and it will kind of flare up and dip down to, to when you need it and when you don't. Um, so that both saves a battery um, when you don't need it. It also gives you gives a possibility to, to get brighter, um, as we was kind of referring to earlier, one of those things about heat. If you're to to have it at that 5,000 lumens, it would just just overheat and it wouldn't uh, wouldn't function as required. Um, so that only flaring up to those kind of super high um, outputs uh, gives it that kind of the the flexibility to actually reach those kind of higher outputs without without affecting the light. Um, and yeah, so you, so you you won't notice necessarily that it's changing because it's quite a kind of rolling um increases and decreases it's not like it suddenly uh flicks from 5000 to to 500 um it does kind of very steadily scrolls through um which is kind of one of the things that change between uh between programs between seasons um because the, the very early iterations of that reflex it was a little bit jumpy mm -hmm. um but yeah as we kind of develop the programs and and everything it kind of all gets a bit smoother yeah yeah like that's pretty crazy technology man for a light yeah there's a lot in um a little unit yeah that's that's crazy like i i didn't really think that was possible um <laughs> it's pretty nuts it's pretty nuts um like when we're chatting about the lights and stuff and, and you're designing lights and things like that does obviously a, a lot of stuff goes into it but another thing that bikers will look at initially when they're buying stuff like this accessories is the weight do you concentrate a lot on the weight do you just make things as light as possible like how do you go about thinking around those kind of issues yeah so so obviously you don't you don't want a you know two or three kilo lump on your handlebars that's gonna totally totally mess up your, your own <laughs> yeah. but um it, it's not the kind of number one priority um obviously the the light has its function um so we that's the the number one focus is to create the product that does what it needs um and then we can kind of try and strip out strip out bits beyond that um obviously 
if you are to look at from the, the very first models to the to the newer models, you will notice um, that they are lighter. Um, obviously, the difference between a six pack and a race in size that the the biggest obviously apart from the the LEDs and the lens like the numbers, there's not really a lot of weight in those bits though. Mm. Um, so it's the 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 actual battery and the light. Yeah. Um, so yes. for example, yeah. the difference between the six pack and the race is. Uh, 15.5 milliamp hour battery versus 5.8 so it's nearly you know the, the battery is nearly three times the size in the six pack hmm. um so that the difference in weight is massively because of the battery um okay which kind of takes us obviously on to how our units are all uh, kind of self-contained and um, it's a cable-free design so you don't have um whereas other other brands will have that just the kind of head unit on the bars and then cable down to the frame or your backpack or whatever um, to kind of vary the, the battery size yourself. We've, we've got that all in, in one neat little unit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I suppose to do that, these guys can make their batteries bigger and you strap them to the frame or you can, as you say, put them in your backpack, um, but you have that cable running there. Um, and I suppose that's to make, why would they do that i suppose it's more difficult to put the battery in the actual unit right it's more expensive yeah exactly it's much uh it's a more difficult task uh it has to be machined better it has to be uh assembled better it has to be designed better um to to bring it into a size which is usable um obviously you could just you know stick it to the back of the light but if you've just then becomes a huge unit um it's it's kind of useless isn't it so yeah to to get it all in within a small little unit like you know i'm sure anybody listening will not say that a six pack is small but for what it does it is um a pretty neat unit yeah yeah definitely no i, I do really like the idea of having the battery and the unit uh, you know you've got internal cables and your frames and stuff for a reason and you don't want to be throwing a light on with a, an external cable yeah. that you have to zip tie or velcro to your frame and uh, you know the less of that stuff that's going on the better in my opinion i totally agree <laughs> catch something like that in a tree in the way around you know about it um, <laughs> yeah so let's chat about the batteries then so the batteries are can you tell us a little bit about the technology behind that? Um, they don't freeze and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So obviously, um, the the other kind of the side of being bright lights, they do keep themselves warm. Um, yeah. So there is, whilst we're talking about cooling the light all the time, um, obviously it does get cold in the UK in the winter, um, especially like events like Strathpatha that we typically are at um which is yeah 24-hour race in January in Scotland it's you know typically quite easily it's minus 10 um yeah wow overnight so yeah it's 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 something that has to be thought about obviously um and the the smaller units when it gets you know super super cold it can be an issue um if you're trying to run them for for a 24-hour event Mm -hmm. so um 
yeah, it's definitely um, something that the bigger units take kind of in their stride as uh, obviously they're, they're at a higher output regardless of how, how long um, in comparison, in the direct comparison that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are, they do just keep themselves warmer. So it, it kind of negates that, that issue um, altogether. Yeah. And like when I say batteries freeze, they don't really freeze, do they? Like what, how would the cold affect the battery? Do they just drain of power quicker or? Yeah. So start to go a little bit even beyond my uh, technical expertise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an electrical engineer. Um, but yeah, they, if it gets super, super cold, it will um, just fade quicker. Um, essentially, there's a. Yeah. I'm sure much more technical term for it, but um, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll just say they freeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell us about run times and the batteries then and how you just go about that. Obviously, the size of the battery, you know, is very much dependent on how long the, the light can run for. Do you just look at that in design as far as, you know, is there a compromise between size and length of run time and things? um kind of um so you'll notice on any of the lights um etched on there is the the oms uh which is stands for optimized mode selector um so depending on which light you're using it kind of it varies a little bit how you access and change programs okay um but essentially you've got for the for the bigger lights anyway somewhere between six and ten modes uh program sorry and then within each program you've got a couple of modes so like a high medium low in that um for the the bigger bar lights with the reflex technology um so you would have say reflex for three hours six hours and 12 hours okay um that is a kind of guaranteed minimum runtime um, for across the non-reflex programs. Uh, it's pretty easy to work out what that output would be in any given runtime. Um, you just go from from whatever that maximum is as a constant um, and route it down. So if you've got a thousand lumens for two hours, you'll have five hundred lumens for four hours. Um, okay. It's not an exact mass. It's actually slightly uh more favorable than that makes it out but it's just easier to to work out that way mm-hmm. yeah all right and and that's that optimized mode selector so that's i suppose to kind of find or offer the right choice for what kind of ride you're going on right so if you're going on a quick blast you can obviously have it at the higher lumens for the shorter period of time is that the idea behind yeah, it yeah exactly um Quite, quite often people will ask what, what the output is in program for medium. Um, and the, the reason, or one of the reasons why we don't have all that information on the light is partially because there's only so much space, but largely because I think it's more important to know how long you, you're riding for than whether it's two and a half thousand or two thousand lumens. Yeah. Um, when it comes to kind of day to day uses, you don't really need to know what what the output you're putting it on as. You want to know that it's going to last the length of ride you want to go on. Yeah. So obviously the light kind of decides for you. If you tell the light you're going for three hour ride, it'll kind of maximize the battery length for your three hours. 
Yeah, so in the in the reflex modes, it will be a, a guaranteed three hours. Um, it kind of it learns as you go. Um, so when you first start that ride, it will kind of remember your last ride. Um, what? And it, it will <laughs> it will compare what you're doing now to what you were doing then um, to give you that initial output. Um, and it, it takes sort of fifteen minutes or so for it to to kind of relearn if you're doing something totally different. Um, that that it's different and it needs to change. Um, but yeah, it's, it will in those reflex modes. It will just give you what you need when you need it, and you've got a guaranteed runtime, and you don't need to think about it. You just turn it on, turn it off. Yeah, wow, it's kind of like AI and lights, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that that is essentially what it is. That is nuts. Yeah, robot. Oh, don't want to even <laughs> think about that. <laughs> so yeah that's that's very cool now you've also got another really cool feature it's called sync um yeah tell us a little bit about that that i was reading a little bit that's cool i like this yeah so in the the six pack of max d um and diablo there's a sync version as well um so essentially in amongst all that other stuff there's a little bluetooth um chip so the you can connect both your your head torch and your uh, bar light to one wireless remote um so you can flick through the modes for example if you want um and also kind of the the bigger thing is you can customize the mode times um so if you download the app um and you can kind of select your own run times whereas on the oms obviously is just what we are suggesting um or what's preset programs on the light you can change the program yourself um to to whatever you can change it and totally mess up (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can't do too much too much damage if you if you want to just reset them um obviously beyond uh so that's just in program one and two so you can go beyond that and then go back into normal uh reflex and and the other programs that that we have included in there as well um it just gives you a little bit more kind of flexibility as well Mm -hmm. yeah very very cool like do you sell a lot of the the two pack ones so the bar light and the the helmet light is most people's riding like that nowadays at night in trails uh generally speaking yes um the so we only do the the packs um in the sync models so basically you're not paying for two remotes um Mm -hmm. to only then obviously you only want one um but um yeah typically you'd you'd be using a bar light and a helmet light um it's not just that you know there's not enough output from one or the other um but obviously you you also gain the added kind of depth perception of having two lights Mm -hmm. um so the the comparison of um the bar light and the helmet light gives you that extra kind of um something to go off uh, obviously if there is a little dip or a tree stump or whatever if you've only got one of them you can't always tell in the darkness exactly how big that is or far deep that is um but yeah having those those two kind of gives you a little bit of extra depth perception to to actually what's in front of you yeah very cool man very cool have you got like a best sell on mtb light have you got one that stands out over the others um not enormously i mean the diablo is 
always um, a comfortable choice for for anyone. Um, it does also kind of double up a little bit to to use on road. Um, so if someone does do both, then they've got um, the Diablo with their bar light when they're off roading, and then they often use that on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so it saves a, a third light, uh, for example. But I mean, they there's not the smaller ones tend to to do slightly less because um, obviously as proper mountain bike kind of trails and stuff, the the six pack and the max D are the two um, two to go with basically. Yeah. Um, the to- the Toro and the the race are slightly smaller, kind of tend to have slightly different purpose. Um, for example, with the the spike in kind of gravel excitement at the moment, um, mm-hmm. that Toro is is going pretty crazy. Um, as I say, it's, it's kind of you still get that high output, um, but it is a little bit smaller, so it doesn't look quite so out of place on a kind of road bike type bike rather than a big chunky mountain bike yeah yeah um but yeah i mean there's not exactly one that that doesn't sell or anything like that we're kind of design things for a purpose um so yeah we we tend not to to stick around with anything if it isn't doing its job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i suppose you know, that's a nice segue into maybe one of the reasons why you still manufacture in the UK or why you've always manufactured in the UK is you can control those quantity levels better. Tell us a little bit about that, Charlie, because it's, it is interesting that you still, you know, design, you know, you're UK made. It would be so easy for you guys just to say, you know what, let's go to China or wherever and we'll get these done a lot cheaper. Like, wh- what was the decision or thinking behind that to stay in the UK? Yeah, I mean, it's just, just, it's kind of not even a decision. It's just, that's what we have always been. Um, There is obviously component parts like the the PCBs, for example. It's not, we don't make them, um, but we do come up with the programs for them. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got the, you know, the production line in the office, which is, where everything is produced all the component parts are put together um obviously we we test everything as i said the light sphere is there as well um and they're all kind of runtime tested and and everything else um and that that kind of stuff gives us a bit more confidence in the product um we're not just you know pressing order from one place and then pressing send and shipping it out to someone else um we are totally in control of it all. And if, if something goes wrong, if, um, you know, a a new product and it's not quite gone how we expected it, then we're aware of that beforehand. Um, rather than we've shipped, shipped them out to someone and then it's all that we've noticed something in that feedback is wrong. We need Mm -hmm. to, you know, rewind or whatever. Um, so yeah, as you say, it just gives us a little bit more control um given everything that's happened this year it's been quite um a godsend to have as much control as we do um 
because obviously as you'll be aware it's almost impossible to buy a bike at the moment <laughs> mm. <laughs> or at mm-hmm. least you have to wait six plus months yeah um so yeah through obviously some of the the parts we've struggled to to get supply of this year um but we've only ever really had our wait times have only been kind of up to about six weeks at peak um mm-hmm. so we've been been quite good at keeping on top of it um which is is definitely the fact that we do so much of it in-house is obviously gives us that um kind of benefit yeah yeah when every everything else goes yeah <laughs> we kind of got a bit more control yeah definitely and like you know for instance the the body of the the body of the the light you know do you use machine that in-house and all that kind of thing like do you just have a is it like a factory like a factory set up or yeah so downstairs is um there's some of the the bigger machining tools um which uh we do some of it in-house some of it's um elsewhere in the uk uh, depending on on demand, obviously we are, as I said, quite small. So there is there is a couple of machines down there, but there's only so much stuff they can get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially like this year, the the demand has been so high. What with, as I said before, everyone kind of rekindling their love for for riding or new people starting to ride. Um, demand has has been crazy high. So we've been been very lucky in this industry to. Um, to be successful in, in a year where it's been such a struggle for, for others. Um, and yeah, as a kind of fortunate on top of that, again, that we kind of control our own destiny a bit and, and have been able to, to fulfill that. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing, you know, because I've had quite a few brands on the podcast and you know, depend on what they are, obviously, but the majority of them are made in China and it's not that guys and girls want their want to get their product made in China. It's the fact that they couldn't get it done here or in the UK or, or closer to home. One, they couldn't get a factory to do it. They couldn't find a proper factory or the factory didn't want to do those quantities, you know, smaller quantities or whatever. Yeah. Um, but also, they couldn't get it done cheap enough that would actually make it viable to survive, you know, so like when you're when you're outsourcing some of your work to other UK factories, like did you just find it hard to find those guys? Um yeah, I mean I, I'm not directly involved with the mm-hmm. outsourcing um kind of process, so I wouldn't say say too much on it, but um yeah, it's not it's not something that we take uh for granted or lightly. Um decisions are yeah they, they're not just like a we need you know 500 bodies tomorrow where can we get them from um yeah. there is a bit more of a kind of relationships with certain people that we have and um obviously being around for for a fairly decent length of time now um kind of get quite good relationships with certain certain people and um yeah we're able, able to to work with that yeah i think it's amazing uh you know and i think more brands should look at doing it obviously it's it's difficult you know for the reasons we were chatting about there but i think it's amazing that you still do it 
you know, because it would have been so easy for Roger or whoever they are just to say, you know what, we can get these made in China. We'll deal with the we'll deal with the supply problems. We'll deal with the returns with the faulty ones. We can deal with all that, but we're going to make X percent much more profit. We'll sell out a bit. We'll do that. But you, just, you know, you stuck to your guns. You stuck to manufacturing in the UK. There's not many companies can say that anymore, man. Like, is there among the few? Yeah, and I, and I think that's it's part of the appeal um, to to customers as well. It, you know, that gives us kind of the confidence. Um, obviously, we have kind of the, the two year warranty as standard. Um, and the fact that we make everything means we've got our own kind of service department. So beyond those two years, um, you know, we, we still get people sending in lights from, from those original years, um, that they want, you know, new batteries or whatever, um, that, yeah, it, it gives us, as you say, that the flexibility of actually confidence in product. We know exactly what it is. We know exactly how it's made. And if anything goes wrong, send it back to us and we can get it sorted. Yeah. And that is so nice, you know, that you can pick up the phone uh, and phone your guys and, you know, be one of the one of the uh, the staff members there in, in your office or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's it's so nice to be able to do that and just have that reassurance that, you know, the, that if there's any issues, your guys are there and you are very happy to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, there's no, nobody is trying to deny that, you know, we are an in kind of investment product. It's not, um, you're not going to go out and buy a six pack on a whim, but there is a lot behind it as, you know, all the, the tech that we've kind of gone through um, and the, yeah, after sales support and just the kind of quality of the product. It's Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, you, you get what you pay for. And yes, you could buy a cheaper unit. Um, and people sometimes say to us, I could could buy a new one for a couple of years um, and still be uh, less, you know, less of an investment. But you don't get the same, um, the same sort of service and, and, quality of product um, so yeah one, one of our, our big things is lights for life like there's no reason why you should be replacing it every year um, obviously they we're improving constantly so you know every every few years you may well want to upgrade um, and a lot of people sell their you know one or two year old lights for for not much less than they bought them and reinvest in in a new one you know it's yeah it's like in anything on the bike really you can you know you can spend as much or as little as you want but you know the difference when you do yeah that's it when you buy a good quality product and you use it you certainly do know where the money goes kind of thing you know no so true so true um so what's the uh anything planned anything new any new product you can tell us about for the near future um <laughs> there's, to say? <laughs> yeah, there's not too much i can reveal there's potentially some some exciting things to happen on the road okay um which i know none of you guys will be interested in but it's it's <laughs> happening <laughs> um there is some 
colorway options that um, we just received a sample in the office today, funnily enough, uh, which we're very excited about to, to get that out into the world. We're just uh, trying to just had that back from the anodizers. So just trying to see what, what we're, what we're going to do with that. Um, yeah, this, this, yeah, won't, won't go too much into no. to what and when, but, yeah, <laughs> cool. we're still still striving to improve the product. It's not a we we aren't just sitting on on the laurels of we make good products and that's it. We we constantly want to to improve it and what you know are getting feedback from people. What's what's missing? If you could have anything else, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Um, and then try and figure out how we can maybe do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, suppose, you you know, in that kind of business, you're never really sitting in your hands. You know, it's not as easy as bringing out a new design and a new colorway. You're always kind of looking at technology, how it's advancing and how you can implement that into your, your units. You know, it's, I suppose you are always doing that. The R&D is just constant all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so as you kind of said before, we've, we're also expanding beyond bike lights. Um, so there's new dive lights um which are going out at the moment there's um some other uh more medical products um which we supply to people um so yeah it's, it's quite there's a lot of r&d happening kind of all the time um, yeah and obviously with with the having the machines downstairs if something is thought of it can be kind of made and tested pretty quick um coming up with new programs and new stuff like that takes a little bit longer um but yeah it's pretty it's pretty exciting yeah no i'm sure i'm sure well how can people best find what you what you do purchase your product and how can they get in contact and stuff like that yeah so uh we do have a website um for for product info and um there's a stockist map on there um, you can't buy the products direct from us, so that would be from local bike shop, wherever that may be. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, they stock us. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But as I say, they, you can see that on our map, which we can put a, a link to for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, this this past year we've not been able to get to any events because there haven't been any, um, which has been a bit of a shame. And kind of we miss that that side of stuff, but. Um, yeah, hopefully there will be some more in the future and then we can start to get back out to, to the 24 hour events and, and stuff where we kind of, where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know you, you did sponsor one of the Dava Enduro night, night races here, night, night Enduros. Um, I think the Make Monkey guys had, had your lights up there. Um, yes. Which is really cool. Yeah, and so people could try, kind of try yeah. them. One of the, the other, the kind of, um benefits we offer to our our stockists is is kind of exactly that we can we can ship out a box of of lights if you if they're going to run a night ride from the shop um get them a a box of kind of samples for for people to test before before they commit to it because as we say it is an investment and you know you'd go on a test ride on the bike so why not test your lights yeah no no better no better time to do it um I suppose you got lots of guys arriving saying, I forgot my light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, that's happened. Or um, I forgot to charge. Or uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, to, usually when when we're at those kind of events, we've got a uh, big kind of charging stand set up. So um, yeah, we can we can swap lights out for people and whatever. Happy days, my happy days. Well, Charlie, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you spending the time and chatting to us about it. You know, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to get you on. People think of lights as just being lights, but there's so much more goes into it. It's unbelievable. Um, and I suppose, yes, yeah, of, often once once we kind of get uh, get into the nitty gritty of of stuff, it kind of quickly um, opens up into a bit of a can of worms and uh, <laughs> and start to realise where where the cost kind of goes into. Yeah. Totally, totally, man. But it's been great to get a better insight into how they work, and um, I'm sure people can check out your website and stuff like that, and and see what the units look like and things. Um, and they're nice looking units too, for sure. Like definitely, very cool. Um, so thanks so much, bro. I hope everything goes well for you this year, and and the events happening. We'll maybe see you. Well, some of the guys over. Did you ever come over this side of the water over to Northern Ireland or Ireland or anything? Um, I don't know that there's been anything recently um but as you say then who knows what will happen um yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll start to, to spread out a bit again yeah cool all right bro well listen thanks so much i'll, I'll let you go get some lunch there and uh <laughs> and thanks again for coming on no worries cheers mate That's a wrap for episode 182 and I hope you enjoyed that folks and I hope it maybe encourages you to think about riding at night. Exposure lights are very, very good and uh, definitely will build confidence at night on the trails. You don't have to worry about hidden drops or hidden tree stumps or anything like that. You can get the right light for your needs and uh, they're very good. Their website's very informative and you can drop the guys a line if you need any more information. So I just want to say thanks, Charlie, for coming on the show. It was great to have you on the podcast. I know we'd been working on it for a bit of time to try and get you on with one thing or another. It wasn't easy, but we finally got there, and it was great to get you on and have a chat. So good luck with the product over 2021, and I know you have a few things new coming up, so good luck with everything there, and good luck with the launch of new products, etc. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about exposure lights and what we chat about on the show, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com. Search for Charlie's episode one and two, and you'll get a little bit more info on the brand. You'll get quick links to the socials and videos and stuff like that there. Now, folks, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support the show, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find and subscribe via any good podcast platform, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we are on. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every episode from there for free. You can also subscribe to the podcast there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. Now you can also get involved on social media. We are at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to get in contact with the podcast, just simply PM me there. Or if you prefer the old fashioned method, you can find me via email info at mtbtribe.com. Well, that's it for another week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. 
I'll be back next week with another show. So until then, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked. <laughs>